It's a joy to be able to look across and be able to see some of you um, because tomorrow is one of these days where um, my sight will start becoming whole again. Um, I, I get to have cataract surgery. At age 52, cataracts is part of my life. And um, so it's just one of those deals. So even Jerry Peters, I know you're over there. I cannot see your face clearly, but I know you're over there. I think it's the white hair is what's giving it away. So I appreciate that. And I, I do know you're there. Um, so if you do anything too crazy or give me some sort, sort of sign language, it's not going to work today. All right. All right. First family, it's always a pleasure to be with you and to be able to just share what God is doing and, and what God wants to do through the power of his word. Brother Greg had texted me earlier. I texted him and said, hey, the first service went real well. Looking forward to the second one. He says he's going to be watching. Greg, I'm sorry that you got to see this, but maybe just close your eyes and listen. Maybe it's a little bit better, but um, Greg, miss you. We love you, and um, can't wait to see you back here soon. Well, um, I, I just told Brian over here, we were having a Brian conference, and um, I, I asked, I said, hey, what time do you normally get out? Because I said, hey, I got a lot of time, and um, that is dangerous in the hand of a guy that can talk a little bit. So um, what I think I'd like to do that I hadn't planned to do, let me give you a little bit of background. Some of you, if, if you don't know who I am, will you, will you just kind of raise your hand up here to kind of give me a little bit of a a feel of the room. Don't be afraid to do that. You're not hurting my feelings at all. Um, all right, that's fine. That's good. Let me just give you a snippet of the background that I have. Um, the First Family has been my home for a while in the early 2010s through 2013, where we are actively a part of the work that is here. Former pastor in the area as well. And God has, has given us a missionary heart. Um, in the, in the past 20 years have been overseas almost 30 different times. Lead a nonprofit organization called TIP International. TIP would be the I3 project. I realize that doesn't do much for you that, you don't, that if you don't know what our work is about. But the I would be India, three things that we do specifically. And when we started um, having the opportunity to be able to expand, God expanding our tents, um, I was just telling others that we ha I have an opportunity, for example, um, on Thursday to have a Zoom meeting with a group called Faith Comes by Hearing. Uh, they, are, they do audio Bibles, and some of the areas that we work in, people cannot read or write. And how do you, how do you encourage them to be in the Word if they can't read it? Audio Bibles is a way to be able to do that. But well, we're looking at potential partnership with them where we minister at in South Asia, as well as new areas like Nepal, uh, looking at also Bhutan and Sri Lanka and other locations like that, Bangladesh. We also have other opportunities in East Africa as well to be able to do what we do with training centers where we're seeing people come to know Christ and disciples are being made, and they're making disciples that are making other disciples. And we have other arms with when it comes to medical. Um, sorry that my wife is not here because she is to take care of me tomorrow. And so she's doing tomorrow's work today. Um, I know that she always loves being here. So um, she, did, she truly misses you this morning. Um, but we also do some orphan work as well. We don't do the actual day-to-day -day operations. But for the additional things that can help supplement and strengthen an orphanage, we're able to do that as well. And God, God continues to expand our tent. 
Lord willing, September 20th, I will head to Nairobi, Kenya for about 11 days. And actually, our connections are really good with the International Mission Board right now. And we stay in a guest house that they kind of take care of over there. So God has been very gracious. Just pray for us along the way that, you know, A, that we're just found faithful to the things that God puts in front of us, that we'd not get in his way, but we'll bring glory and honor to him every step of the way. This morning, I get to be able to chance to be the preacher this morning, and it's always a joy to break the bread of life because we have the opportunity to hear from God, from his word, and to be encouraged, to be challenged, and to be, point, to be put at a point to where we need to do something about what we've heard today. Whether you're the seasoned Christian that have been a believer for many, many, many years, or maybe you're a new believer in Christ saying, I wonder what my identity beyond the fact that I'm a believer, what am I to do with the, with the life that I have that's been given in Christ Jesus? Or maybe you're the individual, you say, well, I don't have this walk of faith. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we're going to give you the opportunity where you can be a part of the family of God as well. Before we get started, let's go ahead and give our time to the Lord because it is His. Lord, as we come to you in the name of Jesus, I thank you and praise you for the time that we have today. I pray, Lord, that you would just use our time in a way that would just be highly productive, that brings glory and honor to you, that you're the one lifted up, that you're the one that's praised, you're the one that's given glory. Lord, I pray that you would just touch the individuals that are in this, in this aspect here or as well online, that they would be open and re receptive to your word, to be moved closer to you in a relationship with you, or those that may not have a relationship with you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, we give this time to you because it is, it is yours. It is in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. If you want to get a head start to where we're going to be located at today, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. And to kind of get us a little bit of a preview along the way, um, I, when I was a kid, my dad and mom, they used to, they had the Polaroid pictures, the little, the little pictures, you know, for them, you know, growing up, it was black and white pictures. And they would have the boxes and the albums and so on along the way. And periodically, usually it seemed like a couple, maybe three times a year, they would pull those out of the closet. And in their bedroom, they just kind of start spreading pictures out. And then they would start going through there and they would start telling me and my brothers, well, this is this picture. And they would give the story behind it. And I got to thinking, because my folks grew up in rural West Virginia, and I got to thinking, how would it be with... Um, oil lamps, no electricity, no running water, no TVs, no cell phones or any streaming device. Oh my gosh, what would I do? Um, outhouses. Hmm. That smells, doesn't it? Um, thinking about what kind of life would that be? And you know, and I heard the stories of my dad saying that they went places and they went uphill both ways. I think you've heard those stories as well. I heard those too, you know, you didn't have the snow plows that came down the dirt haulers or they had to cross the creek, um, all those different things that went along the way. But every picture told a story. And with every one of those pictures, they were able to go ahead and say, hey, here's your grandpa, you know, that you've never met, but here's your grandpa or, or here is, here's your grandpa's, you know, your brothers and sisters. Here is, this is what I looked like when I was like 12 years old, I think. 
You know, my dad was part of a large family of 11 kids. And so there were many different pictures and different ways that the kids were, you know, had grown up along the time. And I still thought to myself, what would it be like to have lived in that kind of time? Well, when, you know, if we had the title today's message, it would be picture this. Because what happens is John gets to see everything that he has written. And I kind of look at them as snapshots. He gets to see the vivid snapshots along the way. And he gets to write down what he sees. And, you know, even when we see something and write it down, sometimes we don't always get the true feel of what it's all about. For example, this year, one of, my bucket, one of the bucket list things for my wife was to go to the Grand Canyon, and we were blessed to be able to do that. And with all the pictures that we could take and show you, it does not capture the grandeur and beauty of the creation of Almighty God. It just doesn't. And I believe that's kind of the idea that we see, even though we see very vivid pictures. And John does a great job through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to give us snapshots of what this is really like. I kind of think of like the old, you know, the old songs, How Beautiful Heaven Must Be, and go on. And the, the pictures that would come into your mind, I know that as you think about things like that, your mind's eye develops a portrait of what that might look like, the streets of gold. We get to worship the king forever. But the, for us today, leading up to chapter 7, we, there's a little bit of ground that we need to cover along the way. When you think about the very first part of the, of even the, the name Revelation means to uncover or to unveil. So with the book of the Revelation, what are we uncovering? What are we unveiling? We're unveiling the king of kings and lord of lords. We're lifting up the lamb of God. We're unveiling him. We've seen, you know, we've seen him living as the God-man. And we get the accounts that are there. But now we get to see him in his radiant glory with none of the, none of the things that may have held him back. And we get to see him as king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, oh, sorry, I got a cough here. In chapter 1 and verse um, 8, we get to see a picture of who he is. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Picture that. What does that look like? If we were to read even further into that chapter, we would get a sevenfold picture of who he is and what he looks like in, in a physical kind of sense. We would get to see what that is. And then if we picture this, that God tells John exactly what he wants him to do. And he says in verse um, 19, he says, Write these things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. And John, I want you to write about the things that have been in the past, the things that are in the present, but the things that are also in the future. I want you to write these down by through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be able to chronicle these events, these times, as you see them, as you hear them, as they become a part of who you are. You know, if we went through, we could see we would have the letters to the seven churches. We would see um, really where we're at in our text. We are at the, the unveiling of the sixth seal has already happened. And at this, at this point, if I were to read you and picture this, the last words that were written in chapter 6 are, 
for the great day of his wrath has come. Who is able to stand? Hmm. Think about that. Picture that. What does that sound like? It sounds like devastation. It sounds like destruction. It sounds like the wrath of God being poured out upon the earth. And you know, you may have seen the pictures of like the building that fell down in Surfside, Florida, and the devastation that was there. You know, maybe some of the the rubble of different things. You know, even the twin towers would be celebrating that anniversary coming up when those fell. The devastation that was there. Tsunamis, devastation. I don't think any of those things compare to what John is writing about at the end of chapter, at, at the end of chapter six. And so picture this, that's what John had just written about. And then he gets to the point of chapter seven. And what's interesting is, in essence, if, we, if I'm giving you a little more background, it's in the first eight verses, there is a halt to activities here. It's like, hold on, quit destroying the earth. God needs to take care of, he, our Lord needs to seal 144,000 people. They're not just any ordinary people. 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel are sealed. They're set aside. Their identity is in Christ. He is the one that seals them. They are His. After all of that, it gets to our text. And let me read your, our text to you in verse 9. Picture this. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Verse 11, all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall never, neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Mm. Picture this. The great account that John gives us here. After the sealing of 144,000 Jews by their tribe, we see, he goes, very next thing, and these things, I, after these things, I looked. He saw a picture. He saw a portrait that he, I believe he probably had a harder time trying to identify because there are definitely some uniqueness to this group of people. And he said, there's a great multitude that no one can number. Now, we have seen the various crowds, whether they're for political rallies or 
a protest or whatever, and they'll say, well, there are a couple, three million people here or so. Even the best people here look at this crowd, and they cannot number the crowd. Think about that. Picture that. What would that look like? How do you contain such a group of people in one area, and their focal point is around the throne of God? In front of the throne of God, they stand there, a number that could not be numbered. But there's something also unique about this group of individuals. Well, notice that they're, they're of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne of God. Hmm. Think about that. If I were to line up, just say at least 50 different nations of people along the line, we'll notice some qualities about them that are uniquely different. Their skin color would probably be a little different. Some may or may not have hair on their head. Sorry about that, guys that don't have any. That's okay. God's still gracious. That's why you got baseball caps. Think about the clothes that they might wear. If I'm living in Siberia, I'm probably not going to be dressed in Bermuda shorts and a top of some sort. Probably not, not happening. I'm going to be dressed a little bit differently than somebody that is in the Amazon, way out in the middle of nowhere that may have little or no clothes on. And I think about the language that is there. Each one of them will speak different languages. They will have different kind of backgrounds. And they may not want to even stand in the line because maybe they feel that you're better and they want to stand maybe behind. Or others think they may be a little bit better and they stand in front of the group that is there. So there's a different uniqueness that is there. But there is something that is special about these individuals. And before I even get to that, I think about a little song that sometimes we sing to the children or with the children. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. His children in front of his throne to bring glory and honor unto him. Each one of them precious. It doesn't matter about the money, amount of money that you may or may not have. It doesn't matter about the clothes that are on your back. It basically boils down to who is living inside of you. Who is living inside of you? Is it the Lord Jesus Christ sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit? Or is it your way, your motivations, your, you dictate what life brings your way? Or at least you want to manipulate it in that way. And these individuals there in front of the throne. And notice the similarities. All the different things that I told you would be different here. But notice that they are standing before the throne of the Lamb, clothed in white robes. Hmm. Not only that, but with palm branches in their hand. When's the last time you thought about palm branches? Could have been when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords rides on his donkey and he makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, a place there where he knew he would die as the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of this world to make intercession for you and me. He is the, behold the Lamb of God that, that dies for the sins of the world. That Lamb, and they have their white robes and their palm branches. And what's unique out of all these different peoples 
speak in unison. One phrase, one thought captivates each one of this group, of this individual group of individuals. And it says, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Could you imagine what that had to sound like? What that's going to sound like in front of the throne of God. This mass of individuals that nobody can number. And they speak in unison. I don't believe it's gibberish. But they're speaking in, in a one accord where it is praise, honoring, glory to the Lamb. In their, in their proclamation of praise to Him, the word salvation is really fixed around the grace of God that's been bestowed for each one of us. God's riches at Christ's expense. And notice that it, it's, salvation is not by you or me it, or the preacher or the best person that you can think of, but salvation is of the God. It is a God-ordained thing. It is something that is established before the foundation of time. He would knew at the fall of man that God would need to provide salvation for the lost sinner, and he does that through Jesus Christ. It says that he's sitting on the throne. That is the idea that he is, he is the king, he is the leader. He, it talks about the government, and he is the centerpiece of that. He rules, he reigns on high. He sits on the throne. The idea that the work that he has done is finished. There's no need for any do-overs, or let's try that again. His work is finished. He has completed his course. He sits on the throne, and we see it's all about the Lamb. We see that the picture of Jesus, we see that he's the Almighty, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning of the end in chapter 1. If we look into chapter 5, and you don't have to turn there, but he's the Lion of Judah. He's the Lion of Judah. I don't know about you, but when I think of lions, I don't go, here, pussycat, here, pussycat, and purr, and all. No, not at all. The leader of the jungle, the leader of the safari, wherever the lion is, he is the top dog. He is the leader. He, everything revolves around the lion of Judah, the lion. And here, we're going to see throughout the theme here in chapter 7, he is the lamb. And when we see a lamb, we don't see, we don't see the power and the majesty of the lion, but of the lamb of being meek and humble. And we see here, even the lamb here, the lamb has been a picture that we've seen all the way back into the book of, of Genesis when we would see that God tells Abraham, he says, take your son Isaac, provide him as a sacrifice for me. And as he pulls his knife to be able to make the, the sacrifice complete, he's like, hold on! Over in the thickets, this the sacrifice has been provided. And they go out and the sacrifice the lamb has been given and we see that theme continue on through scripture we can find in the book of Isaiah we see that Jesus is the is the um, is the lamb that has led to the slaughter being meek and mild along the way I mentioned to you already that John the Baptist says behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world in John chapter 1 verse 29 all of these things the idea of the lamb is so dominant of a theme because without the shedding of blood, the clear cleansing blood of Jesus, there is no remission of sin. 
we are still lost in our sin without the blood of the Lamb. Now that it's been provided, applied to the count, we're no longer seen as we once were. You may say, well, you, Brother Brian, you don't know what my life's been about. You know what? I don't care. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. You say, what? I've got some things that are still hanging over my head. Jesus paid it all. If Jesus paid it all, he will take your sin and mine and cast them as far as the east is from the west. He will take our sin, throw it over his shoulder, never to be remembered again. Tell me about how great of a God that we have that would be willing to take the darkest, deepest things of my life, when I turn them over to him, he says, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. Behold, I make you new. We become a new creature in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us. Tells us that there's something new that happens in our life. And it's not based upon who we are, but it's all based about what he has done for us. What I love about this is that this time of celebration as this large group of individuals are praising God. You know, it's interesting because when you start praising God, it has a way of impacting others along the way. Picture this. The angels, the elders, and the four living creatures, they bow down and they start worshiping the Lord. Because of this group that is now being, that is worshiping the Lord, they want to get in in the action. They bow down and they start to worship the Lord. And they have something to praise the Lord about. And what they say is interesting because it's all encapsulated around the words, Amen. Encapsulated around the words, Amen. And it's a sevenfold praise and adoration unto God. Do you know anything about the, the numerations of, of Scripture? Seven is the idea or the concept of completeness. The God that we serve, the Lamb of God, is complete in all ways. There is nothing lacking in Him. Notice there in verse 12, they say, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. That's our Lord. Can you picture that? Can you picture this? That's what He is. A snapshot of the Almighty encapsulated in just seven words. Power, majesty, thanksgiving, blessing, all of these things are part of who He is. And it says to whom? be to our God forever and ever. Oh, it's so powerful, so vivid, the snapshots that we see from John, from the large group of individuals, the palm branches, the white robes that they have, and their proclamation of praise. And now we see this taking place. Another snapshot. There's yet another snapshot. Picture this. One of the elders comes over to John. He's got a question for him. Don't you like it when somebody comes over and asks you a question, a question that they already have the answer to, but they still answer, ask you the question nonetheless? That's what happens here. 
we see that the elder comes and says, hey, you know what? Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? It's interesting that John, in his wisdom, says, sir, you know. You know the answer to this question. And it's interesting that John didn't stop there. Even though the elder knew the answer to the question, John writes down the answer to the question. Listen, he goes, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation, washed their robes, made white, uh, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Hmm. What a picture that is. What an identification that we see here. Their robes have been, are made white by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, we could sing all the songs about the blood of Jesus Christ and the powerfulness of that. Actually, I didn't mention it to you this morning, but thank you for the lily of the valley. When, when I think of, picture this, my grandmother who's been with Jesus now for a long time, at least three decades, her favorite hymn was the lily of the valley. Um, and uh, so it, it, was, it was neat to hear that. That was one of her favorite songs. And we think about the blood. There's power in the blood. Are you washed in the blood? Nothing but the blood. You know, how great a fount. I, there's so many songs about the blood of Jesus Christ. Why do we sing about the blood? Because it is the difference maker in the lives of men and women. There's nothing better, nothing greater than the blood of Jesus Christ applied to the life of one that's been lost and separated from the one true God. Mm. That's why such a powerful statement. I got the chill bumps right now because it's such a powerful thing because when the blood has been applied to your life, you're no longer the same. You're no longer the same. Our identity has been different. Before it was my identity. Now my identity is no longer me. It's Christ. You can strip away everything that it is, and you can put yourself into the picture here. We'll just use me as an example. Strip away the fact that I'm married. We have a couple children. We've got, I like to call three grandchildren. Ordained in the ministry. Been overseas many times part of a nonprofit organization, all the things that you would identify me with, even basketball referee or, or baseball umpire, are you blind? Yes. <laughs> all of these things that you can identify with me and strip them away. There's one that remains. My identity is in Christ Jesus, in Christ alone. Can you say that? Can you say that your identity is in Christ Jesus. They can. Their robes have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You would think that that would be enough. You would say, saved, thank you, Jesus, and we'll be able to spend eternity with you. But you know what? There is more to the story. It's kind of a uh, Paul Harvey thing, and now the rest of the story. Some of you are too young for that. I'm sorry about that. Um, Ask somebody my age or older, they'll fill you in. Look with me in verse 14. Therefore, because of everything that has been spoken up to this point, therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in the temple. Now, who are the people that were to serve the Lord in the temple in the Old Testament? It was not these people. We talked about the Levites there. 
the, 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 the sons of Aaron were to be the ones that did that type of work. Here we see that these individuals will do this job. And it goes on further, and, you know, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. Now, if we, that word dwell is a, little, is a little bit different here because if we looked in the original text and so on, the word is better cover, will cover them. If we go back to the children of Israel, when they came out of the bondage of Egypt, what did the Lord do? He covered them with the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. That's kind of the reference that we have here. He protected them. He provided for them. He was their guide. He was their stay. And he is here, even so, in the picture that we see of our Lord, the Lamb of God. And we go a little further. You'll notice here in the next couple of verses here, we'll see some negatives. Because when we follow Jesus, not everything, I just want to let you know, Disclaimer, not everything that happens in our life will always be rosy and peachy, you know, everything like that. It, life does not just become, ta-da, I'm a believer, everything is good in my life. If you've been a believer very long, you know what I'm talking about. Well, these have faced some challenges along the way. Right now, it's almost like if my dinner's late, I feel like I'm facing trials and tribulation. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about here. And here, listen to the things that they will no longer have to face. Basically, in verse seven, or verse 16, they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne shall shepherd them. I want to just stop right there. We've, I told you, chapter 5, we see the Lion of Judah. Chapter 7 here, we see the Lamb of God we see a transition take place. He's not only the Lion of Judah, not only is he the Lamb of God, but also he's the Great Shepherd. He is the Great Shepherd. When I think of Psalm 23, he leads me beside still water and all the different things that he provides and protects for me. He does that here as well. He does that here as well. You know, he, when you think about it, he is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Hey, that theological term is immutability. He doesn't change. If he's this, he's going to stay this, and he's going to stay that. And same, we see that here as he takes care of the redeemed. And we see that the lamb will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I don't know about you, but that's a great God. That's a great God. How many times have you had the moment where the tears have come and you've needed somebody to, to, to kind of damp those from your eyes? Maybe it's through pain, through heartache, loss of life of a loved one or a friend, or maybe just someone who was just plain out rude to you that shouldn't have been, and you thought more of them than what they really should be thought of, and they've hurt your feelings in a way that has caused you tears. wipes away those tears. In Revelation chapter 21, we see that he takes away those tears as well. It's reemphasized there. I love that as I was preparing for our time together, reading through that, and the joy that just fills my heart, knowing that we've got a God that loves us that much. Uh, you know, I know me. I, I don't deserve that, and it's not based upon what I deserve. 
He does it because of his love and his grace and his mercy and his long-suffering for you and me. He's going to take us to living waters. Have you ever been to places where the water is just dank and dirty and just stinks? Anita, you know what I'm talking about? We've seen a little bit of that and smelled a little bit of that. Um, and there are other locations that are like that. Those waters are dead. There's nothing in it. There's nothing. It could be good in it. But he takes us to living waters. Living waters are refreshing. They help us grow. They help us sustain. They give us vitality in this life. Can you picture that? Can you picture what is taking place here? The Lamb of God that shepherds the redeemed takes care of because of his great love that he has for you and me. There's another picture. When we were going through our pictures at home, there were, all, there were a lot of pictures of family reunions. And I can remember going back, oh, hey, that was at such and such place, that was at such and such place. Well, I get a family reunion coming up at the end of the month, and I'll be going back to almost heaven, West Virginia, and be able to be able to see family and friends and so on. And um, uh, I'm sure there's going to be some pictures taken, usually of the individual family and the family as a whole. We saw to begin with here in our, in our time that there was a number that nobody could number. And I wonder that when they take pictures in heaven, and maybe they do, maybe they don't, but just for the sake of what we're talking about today, picture this. We have our family reunion picture of all the children of God that are together and we get our picture taken. Are you going to be in the picture? That's a real question. And that makes things real for us because if you're not part of the family of God, you're not in the picture. I can even tell you a little story that I can remember back in um, one of my India trips. Um, we were headed to a location to a village where it was half Christian and half Hindu. And I had two young drivers along the way, and Nita, I can't remember if I've told you the story. If you've heard it before, just endure it. And um, my drivers are racing down the roads of India um, to our destination. It's so much so my wife is with me, and she is saying, Tell these guys to slow down! And, you know, I'm getting a little bit disturbed as well, because if you've got a wife that's not happy, your life is not happy either. I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, help us, Jesus. Um, but we ultimately, a good half hour, 40-minute drive away as my guys are racing with one another. I want to think my guy lost, but that's neither here nor there. But we got there, and the very first village that I went into, I showed them a picture of my family, and I took a picture of them. And I, I wanted to tell you that the picture that we took, it's typical in India where the, the people don't smile. They're just... That, that's the look. No smile, no joy, no nothing. Very stoic. And once I got done sharing the gospel and so on, by God's grace, this family of three or four come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. And I said, hey, we need to take a new family picture because I need to be in there with you because now we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we took the picture. You know, so we have a family picture, and I'm sure I have it somewhere. Uh, what happened next was we're getting ready to our next destination and my driver comes to me big smile on his face and he's bouncing over and he's probably no more than early 20s he goes he goes brother brother 
I prayed the prayer too. I prayed as well. I want a family picture too. Praise the Lord, but how big do you think I felt at that point when I really wanted to wring the guy's neck about a half hour ago? And I probably could have, he probably only about this big. And boy, did I have some repenting to do and some, you know, along the way. But family pictures. I know I put my arm around him and he put his arm around me and we had a family picture together. I'll never forget that day. But again, back to our situation, the family of God. Are you a part of the family of God? If we were taking a family reunion picture, would you be in it? If you cannot say that you would, today is the day of salvation for you. Today, you don't have to go another day being outside of the family of God. Because today is a day that you can trust the Lord and you can be saved. You can confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has risen, risen, raised him from the dead. You can be, you shall be saved. You say, well, that's too easy. It's just too easy. We want to make salvation pretty hard. The only thing hard about salvation was our Lord went to the cross and took your sin and mine. And he was nailed to the cross. They drove the nails, the stakes, into his hands and feet. And they took the crown of thorns and they put it into his brow. They took the spear and they pierced his side and the blood and the water came out. And you know, when they put him on the cross, there was a three-hour period of time where the world went dark. Right in the middle of the day, the world went dark because... Our Lord was taking your sin and mine. And our Lord, our God, our Father, Heavenly Father cannot look upon sin. He had to turn away from His Son that was bearing our iniquities. He did that for you and me. So you say, hey, I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough to do this. You're right, you're not. But He has. He has. And you say, how can, I, how can I be a part of this family? Would you, you know, would you think about just, you know, you don't even have to close your eyes or anything like that. You look at me. Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. There's nothing good in me. But I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And you were buried and you rose again the third day. Conquering death, sin, and the grave. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. And my prayer is that you'll be my Lord forevermore. My, my heart's desire to serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just as simple as that. You say, well, that's just too simple. It's too simple. But you know what? Again, like I say, we make the gospel too hard. Sometimes we make it too hard because we want to put up our own defenses. You can come to know him today. As we get ready for a time of invitation, I want you to ponder where you're at in the picture that we talk about. Are you in the picture? And brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're in this picture, we've got more things to do. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue represented. How does that happen? If you and I are not bearers of the light of the word of God that we're not telling people about Jesus Christ. 
we have now today the ability to be able to reach people we never could through the technologies that we have today. We, we just do. We just do. You would be amazed of the various contexts that I can be around the world at any time, whether on my phone or on my computer. God has given us the opportunity, the greatest gift he's ever given that we need to share. Would you be faithful in doing that? Person, if you, you do not know Christ today, I pray that you'll pray, pray and receive him. If you have not done that, if you have, come on down and tell me. If you haven't and you want to do that today, let me pray with you. They'll turn this mic off, I promise. You've got to keep me, help me keep my promise. And we'll make sure that you become a child of the king. Will you stand with me? <laughs> you respond as God leads you today. I know that there, you know, there may be some here that do not know the free pardon that we've talked about today. I'm going to be around. I don't have anywhere else to go. My, my wife is in Brown County, so I'm a free agent today at the moment. So if you need somebody to talk to, come and talk to me. I'll be happy to share with you and show you in the scriptures how you can know the one true God. And brothers and sisters in Christ, don't be shy about telling them about Jesus, okay? Hey, I've been told that um, there's some folks back there, because I didn't do it in the first service very well, and you think I would remember. This is the first Sunday, and today is Bread Sunday. Um, remember Brother Greg as he, as he continues to heal up, and I'm sure he'll be ready. And since he heard the preaching this morning, he'll probably be even double focused upon what comes next week. So you all be ready. You'll be ready for that. Hey, thank you for your love and your kindness to me. We love you, and we, we're gra I'm grateful to be here with you today. Brother Tim, would you close us in a word of prayer? Or is there something else that needs to be done? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We're trusting, Lord, that uh, your, term, your word, uh, as it says, does not return void, Lord. My prayer is that each of our identities is forged in Christ. Lord, help us to be soul conscious as we go out in the world today, out into the mission field. Lord, every day we encounter people. So uh, let us uh, be salt and light and love others. Lord, let us show grace to one another as believers in Christ, Father God. Thank you for your messenger that you sent us today and for, for the message that he so uh, vividly brought to us, Lord, about uh, the power and the blood of Jesus, Lord, and uh, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for this church, Father and God, and for
for what it means to each one of us, Lord. Praise and glory and honor be to your name. In Jesus' name we pray it.